Intentional walk for Schwarber. They get to Davis. And with a pitcher spot now on deck, Alan Webster is up in the bullpen. Remember, the bullpen wasn't used on Friday, and Cubs were off on Thursday. Davis in the air, deep left. It is gone. That's a grand slam. The time. Hello and. Welcome to the second episode of the Framing the Conversation podcast. I'm Devin Fink, joined by two of my favorite people, tweeter and stat guru, Jeremy Frank, and current professional baseball player, free agent, Taylor Davis. We've got a lot to talk about today, but nothing more important or more pressing than our first $100 million contract of the offseason. The Phillies agreed to sign Zach Wheeler yesterday to a five-year $118 million deal. It's a huge deal. And so, Jeremy, why don't you give us your take first? <clears throat> I'm excited to see what the Phillies defense can do for Zach Wheeler that the Mets defense couldn't. I know historically, before last year, the Phillies had some holes in their defense, but they did rate as one of the top defensive teams by a few different metrics last year. And Zach Wheeler's been a guy that has always underperformed his fielding independent pitching. Last year, he was about uh, 50 points lower, like 396 to 348 his ERA to FIP so maybe this year he, this is the year that he overperforms because the Phillies defense could probably have him out a little bit even though the Mets defense in the past has not done the same for him I, and yeah, I, I always I, go ahead go Taylor ahead. I, you know I think the big question mark to that is you know all the rumors with the shortstop with them um not like they non-tender two infielders and then now they're saying they're all in on on Gregorius so like you know obviously uh, I believe, and you guys can answer this, it, shortstop is the most statistic-driven position on the field, correct? Yes, for sure. It's, it's, a, it's a, the most important defensive position. Well, besides catcher, catcher, but besides catcher. Besides catcher. Besides catcher. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that's, that's always interested me about Zach Wheeler um, is if you go to his baseball savant page and you look at the most similar pitchers to Zach Wheeler based on velocity and movement, his number one comp, Garrett Cole. Yeah, I think Max Goldstein pointed that on Twitter. I'll give him credit because I saw that posted yesterday. He's a good follow. But, yeah. That's yeah, I mean. Uh, they're very similar. And Zach Wheeler with, with Real Muto behind the plate this year, it'll, it'll be interesting. Not just their defense behind it, but Real Muto as well. I think uh, the other thing that was cool, I thought that I read, like, when reading this was, like, um, they talked about, like, you know, and, and, and a lot of the guys have, like, is a sweet stakes at this point, right? And they even call it that. But uh, the interesting thing was them talking about how he chose this because his wife was from New Jersey. That, what, the White Sox are reportedly offered a few million, right? Right, yeah. It's just, like, an interesting, it's just an interesting, like, piece to it, I thought. Yeah, no, yeah. I for sure. And, and I'm, like, really curious, just in general, of, like, He's one of those guys that I think could could benefit from some quote unquote major league development, I guess. Because like he's all we've always looked at him. He's got a mid to high nineties fastball. He mixes pitches well. He's got a good slider, good curveball that he mixes in occasionally. Um, but one thing like that is always, you know, I've always had questions about for Zach Wheeler is like, why does he throw a sinker so much? We've seen across the league, right? Sinkers are going down because they're the most homer prone pitch, and with the craziness that we've seen with the juice ball and all of that, 
Um, Zach Wheeler's sinker is like by far his worst pitch, and he threw it almost 30% of the time last year, um, which was his second most used offering. And I just feel like, you know, I don't fully understand all the intricacies of pitching and how certain pitches set up others. And I, and I understand that. And I'm willing to say that my knowledge is limited in that regard, but it, you look at the stats and you just wonder why doesn't he throw less? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, probably I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I have no idea. I've, I've never played in that system or with him. Um, my only guess just, just from the outside looking in would be that he was a, uh, so let's let's think about that Mets staff. Who who else on that staff threw sinkers? Like Syndergaard threw sinkers, and and it, he's another case where I feel like why? Um, yeah, just just throw a hundred. <laughs> yeah, just throw a hundred. But I mean, I, someone asked him about that, and he he I, I, if I remember correctly, I could be dreaming this, but I, I when I tweeted something about how um, Syndergaard just seems to throw too many sinkers. And someone responded and was like, well, Syndergaard thinks that the sinker, like, helps his other pitches play up. And, and, and I can understand that, that maybe you want to mix in, you know, it's pitching is definitely more complicated than scrap this pitch and you get better. Scrap your worst pitch. You know, it's all about how they interact with one another. But, I mean, if you're throwing your worst pitch most of the time, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the, I, I see what you're saying. I do think there's a little more to it than just the numbers. But, yes, I mean, for the most part, a lot of these teams now, like with the analytics, are, are looking at that for sure. Um, but I do think that, like, a lot of the stuff, the new age stuff, like the really new age stuff, like these these people that are um, using the, the slow motion cameras and whatnot to um, do pitch tunneling, and, right. and and really create this like, hey, here's what the hitter sees. Like that's a really cool aspect to the game, and I think it's something that um, is is really going to change the game. Right. I, and, I think and one. Jeremy, you're kind of coming in and out a little okay, bit. I think that I think that one person. Oh. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Like right here, but it worked out last. Okay. So I think that one guy that we really saw. The sinkers completely changed last year was with uh, Aaron Sanchez. Once he got traded to Houston, he threw a lot of sinkers with Toronto, if I recall correctly. And then his first start with Houston, he threw like two of them, and he had like a no hitter going through like six or seven innings. They took him out. And if the if the Astros are doing it, you're probably it's probably the right move to cut the sinkers a little bit. But obviously, each pitcher is different. But the Astros did see something with that sinker for Sanchez. Yeah, and 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 I and and I yeah, I was going to actually bring up Garrett Cole as another example. Um, you know if. It is true that Garrett Cole is the number one comp to Zach Wheeler, and and that's just based on some of the, you know, the the characteristics of their arsenals. Um, Cole basically ditched the sinker this year, and I know he was an Astro last year, but in his last season with Pittsburgh, which was 2017, he threw the sinker about 13% of the time. In his first season with Houston, 6%. This season, 2.4%. Now. Now, Garrett Cole, and now run the uh, – you you guys might already know, but just from the outside looking in, it looked like when he got to uh, Houston, like, he, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, dude, he was, the, he was the first pick overall. Like, obviously, he was extremely talented um, and, and really good in Pittsburgh, but it was almost like he hit, like, got, like, another level in Houston, right? right. Like, his numbers in Houston were, were better than they were in Pittsburgh, correct? By a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, like, it, 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 and seemingly so. Like, it, you know, he was he was an ace in Pittsburgh, but he became dominant in Houston, and I think there's something to say for that. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I for sure. He doubled his he doubled his strikeout rate from 2016 to 2019. I think that's like the reason that he is you know, what he's commanding, what he's going to on the free agent market, like good for right, him. Yeah. And, you know, but I think it's because of that. Like you see ACE, Zach Wheeler has a very good chance to be an ACE on that staff. Totally agree. Getting, and realistically, he's going to get almost a third of what, of what Cole's going to get. Right. Right. If Zach, if Zach Wheeler next year is 80% of what Garrett Cole was this year, which that might be asking a lot, he's going to be worth every penny. The question is, can the Phillies get him there? Right. And, and I, and, and I don't know. I, I, the Phillies, the Phillies are very, um, you know, very interesting last year um, with how they handled their pitchers. I expected Aaron Nola to take a step forward. Um, I expected Nick Pivetta, Vince Velasquez to take steps forward. They were banking on that. If the Phillies wanted to contend, they needed a breakout season from someone other than Aaron Nola. And all those guys kind of regressed. So like it now, makes you now, like they fired if, their pitching coach and you know it's a new staff with Joe Girardi. They fired their but pitching like, coach, they fired their pitching coach, their hitting coach, and their manager and right. their bullpen coach. All gone. So it's gonna uh, be a, it's gonna be a new philosophy there. But I'm I'm curious to see what they decide to do with with Zach Wheeler. Now from you two, did so the Phillies from the statistical standpoint, did they? Uh, how unlucky were they? Like. Should they like? Did they perform better than like? Did they perform better than their record showed? Um. Well, I mean, looking their at, run differential was actually worse than their record was. Their Pythagorean win loss had them at and, and if you go by three, which would they actually? Sorry. No, you go, you're good. Yeah. No, I was gonna say their their ERA FIP difference was actually the third lowest in baseball, which basically means that they outperform. Like their FIP suggested they should have actually been worse. Pitching so that's wise. what I'm saying. Their defense was good. Their defense they was actually pretty good. By defensive run saved in UGR. Not not top, but like top five in both of them, I believe. Which is why and, Zach Wheeler. And defensive run saved, they were eighth. In this. And in uh, defensive run saved, they were eighth. And UGR, they were fifth. So they yeah, had a good defense. Go. Right. And and honestly, I mean, the chances are now the I mean, uh, how good was Cesar in the field? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. How, um, was he a, was he he, a bad play defender? He? he he ended up being plus. Um, the it's. I, he, I remember he made a ton of like bad mistakes, or at least obviously you don't like. You don't like, hear, like a, my my point is, if they go sign a, a DD or even a second, a second shortstop, yeah, are, are they gonna are they gonna improve defensively statistically, or are they gonna go down? Defense is weird. <laughs> um. I guess for me, um, I'm looking at all their numbers right now. Cesar was about an average second baseman, my UZR. He was a little bit worse than that. Um, or he was a little bit better than that by defensive run saved. Segura actually had a down year defensively, about a run worse than average. So he's about average too. Um, and Franco. You'd assume he'd be better at second base if he if they didn't move him. Than you, he yeah, you and the, the question is, though, is, is a better Segura at second base better than Hernandez? And probably, you would think. If you get well, a good, yeah, you get a good enough shortstop, that, that it Because your options are what? Your options are – because is, is Kingery going to 
be a utility guy again, or is he's, he going to play third? They base? might have him just play third base, even though he's a true second baseman, and I don't know that he has the arm to play third. Okay. But I think he might just play third base. He was actually really good last year at third base. He actually was eight, in only three hundred innings, so like not enough, not nearly enough time to stabilize. He was actually plus eight on defensive runs saved and plus four and a half on UZR. Um, so they okay. both had him as a very good defensive third baseman, which actually, as someone who watched a little bit of Kingery, because I wrote about him last year, um, I thought he was actually worse than that um, based on the eye test. I thought his arm was kind of not great for third base, considering he was a second baseman coming up. Um, where he made his biggest strides last year was absolutely at the plate. Right, right. Now, uh, there's and they're still – decently far away from the two prospects getting there, the two prospect third baseman, correct? Alec Baum and I don't remember their other one who you're referring well, they're, to. They're, they're both, they're what they're, weren't their first two picks uh, last year, third baseman as well? Isn't that? Um, they have Alec Baum. I don't know who, oh, they took Bry- Bryson, Bryson Stott. He plays short. Okay. Okay. But he's not going to be, he's not going to be in the majors until 2022 is his ETA. Okay, um, what about Bomb? Bomb's going to be Bomb's going to be there next year, um, which will which will be interesting, and which is why I don't necessarily think they need a guy like Gregorius. Also coming up on the pitching side is going to be Spencer Howard. His ETA is early 2021, but I think there's a chance they try and bring him up next year, especially if they don't add another pitcher and um, the back half of their staff is faltering. Because if you look at his numbers, he only pitched uh, he, he pitched as high as Double A this year, but in high A this year, he struck out 38% of hitters and walked 4%. And then in 30, and that was in 35 innings. And in 30 innings at, at double A, he struck out 31% of hitters and walked 7%. So both numbers that are excellent. Whatever now, happened to Pimoniac, the guy they drafted a couple years ago, first overall, he hasn't been that good in the minors, has he? I haven't no. heard much about him. Uh, he, he, no, he hasn't been great, but he had, he had a good year this year, right? He had a, he had a kind of a... a, a Comeback year. He was he fine this year. He wasn't. He was fine. Yeah, he hit 115 right. weighted runs created plus at Double A. They projected him to be a fourth outfielder at this point, which is kind of crazy to think number one overall pick. But that's just kind of the nature of the, of the draft. MLB draft. Okay, so yeah. here we go. This is this would be a good one for you guys. So last week we talked about uh, Carter Keyboom was projected to, was a projected what 60 overall. What is Mickey Moniak? <laughs> So, yeah, so yeah, Kibum was a 60 future value on fan graphs. Moniac, I have it up here. He's a 40 plus. So, not, that'd not be, not that's, that's a significant that's difference. A, that's a below so average MLB at, player. With 50 at average, that is not what you want from a first overall pick. But I guess you hit on guys and you, you hit on guys you, and you miss on guys. Right. I mean, they hit on someone like yeah. Spencer Howard, I would say. Well, 115 is solid. I mean, he's like, what, 22 next year? I mean, 115 at double A is not the worst. I mean, he's still, no, absolutely not. Like and he's, is he even twenty two? He can't even be that old yet, can he? He's is he turned twenty two that old in May. Turns twenty two in May, yeah. It's not like he's a college bat that just couldn't. He got right. He he's he's got time. I mean, they're gonna be. Oh, what's interesting is that he'll be season, he'll so. be Rule Five eligible next off season. Huh? So they're That'll gonna have to make a they're gonna have to make a decision on him if he's really gonna be no more than a fourth outfielder. He might be a number one overall pick that's picked in the Rule Five draft. Which would be yeah, wild. Uh, which which would be wild, especially considering the Phillies a couple of years ago had that pick and took it and kept the guy in the big leagues the whole year. Um, Oduble Herrera. No, no. Well, they had another one. 
uh, they tried again after Adubel because Adubel won. Oh, Tyler like, Goodell. Was, yeah, Tyler Goodell, whose brother, Eric, made it to the big leagues last year with right. Texas. I remember um, Tyler Goodell. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I played against all the. I played against both those two two guys. So um, that's the only reason I know those names. But yeah. Um, anyway, okay. What's next? What's next on the docket? Um, Jeremy, I know you said earlier you didn't want to talk only about free agent signings. So we spent quite a bit kind of discussing the Phillies, discussing this Zach Wheeler signing. What's on your mind? Well, I was actually thinking, um, not really a. a- Worst thing, but or not really a baseball thing, but there was uh, recently an Arizona Cardinals player, not a St. Louis Cardinals player, uh, that was they got in trouble for uh, for betting on football. He actually uh, bet against his own team. Uh, what do you guys think about that? You know, that's a tough one. Like, and you know, obviously for us, like it in the in the stuff with Pete Rose, like you'll see. Um, you know, one of the more interesting things I think is um, one of the t- the baseball Twitter guys sends out like a hall of fame ballot to old players that are not voters. Yeah. Ryan Spader. Ryan Spader. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And, and I, some of the comments on who we would take off or would you let Pete Rose in? Would you let Shoeless Joe in? Like, yeah. so my dad is from Cincinnati and my dad grew up a huge Reds fan. Right. So like Pete Rose was his hero. And so, you know, growing up, like, I was always told, like, you know, P. Rose, like, this is who he was. And, like, then I find out kind of what happened. And, you know, now that I play, I'm like, dang, man, like, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. Like, it's not that difficult. At the same time, um, like, it does seem like there are people that have done worse things that are in the Hall of Fame. So, like, I think it's a very, very touchy topic. I don't know where I stand on it by any means. But to bet against your own team, no chance. No chance. You bet against your own team, like, come on. That's ridiculous. Arguably worse. Because you can control losing. Significantly worse. You're betting on your team winning, and, like, okay, go out there and try your hardest to help your team win. Like, whether or not that's okay, like, you're not, like, changing anything by giving it your all. Like, that's what you should be doing anyways. But you bet on your team losing, and you go out there and you – like miss a coverage on a play and give him a touch on like that is affecting the game in a big way. I agree. And on top of that, the dude's not even playing. He, you're not playing. Right, that is and true. You're saying you're going to lose. God, that is that's right. Tough. But does that? Yeah, where's the faith in the teammates? Does that make it better though? <laughs> it no, means you're not a team player. Up, right? I think it makes it worse because I think it makes it worse, and I'll tell you why. Because they're paying you. Right. The people that you're betting against are paying you, and you're betting against them. That's crazy. He should have used all of his salary and just betting against the Cardinals every game. As a statement, yeah, I, so like the, the NFL minimum salary is too low, so I'm going to put all my money on my team losing and double it or something like that. What, what yeah, I would have been most interested in is would he have start would he have started betting on the Cardinals to win once he got healthy? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's so just speculation. I, you know, I guess I guess like I would like to know, like because you know all all that we as the public really know at this point is that at least all that I know that I've seen is that he bet on, on football and that he bet on his team to lose. That's all I know. And so realistically, I just know that he bet one time. I don't really know the logistics of it. I don't know the rest of it. I would, I I would really, I do like, we're talking about this. Like I do want to give the guy some credit. Like I should, I I would like to know like all the details. Um, And from what I read was that he got, 
was that he didn't quite understand the rules, I believe, is what um, his quote was. He forgot that. He forgot the subsection that said, do not bet on your team. <laughs> or, like, yeah, do not on, so, bet on your sport. <laughs> yeah. So he, I, I he don't missed know. that. He I, misunderstood it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how that works. That seems but, like a very, um, very, like, very off misunderstanding there. Like, oh, I thought I, it said I, that we I were encouraged like, to bet on football. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I, I do feel like, though, that's like the one rule between football basketball hockey soccer water polo curling like it doesn't matter like yep. you you can't bet on on what you're affiliated with like it's I, like I insider like trading is, it's the exact same right, thing it is right. insider it is definitely insider it, trading it, yeah, yeah i think it, like it is insider his trading. excuse his excuse is kind of like what like a lot of guys who get busted for steroids in baseball they're like oh like i didn't know it was illegal or like i didn't like oh like a doctor gave it to me like i thought it was fine or whatever like very few of them like actually own up and be like yeah like i cheated i like i I hope you guys didn't catch me or something like that like i feel like that i mean whether or not he actually like did understand the rule or not he's not gonna say like oh yeah like i bet on my my team i guess that's what's what's, yeah i guess even like my teammates are terrible like our team, have you seen the Cardinals play? Like you would have, if you were in my spot, you would bet against the team too. <laughs> but I, I guess like the I, like, oh, I, I didn't get the rule. I guess for me though, like the the weirdest, like the worst part of it is, is like when you're doing steroids or you're doing some other performance enhancer, you're trying to make yourself better. Like when you place a bet, like all that's really providing any gain. I mean, and and again, no one should do steroids. We should keep the entirety of the game. But Barry Bonds should still be in the Hall of Fame. We can have this debate all day, but I guess like betting on sports provides no gain for you, the right. individual, other than obviously financially, but like <laughs> steroids, the guys are like, okay, I suck. I need to get better. And I know that's an oversimplified viewpoint of it, but effectively that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So, okay. So while we're, while we're on this topic let's bring up another arizona cardinal we didn't even talk about this beforehand let's talk about kyler murray so the question i'm gonna pose is will there be another two sport athlete like in like playing both sports at the same time playing two sports will there be another professionally yeah um i don't know it'd have to be like two like very like weird sports like this is guy on the northwestern university basketball team i don't know what his name is i'll look it up right now um he was the like the best lacrosse player in the nation last year at loyola maryland pat spencer he like won the award for best lacrosse player in college and instead of pro he's taking a year off and he transferred to be a grad transfer for the northwestern basketball team which is just really oh, okay. weird. And, like, apparently he was, like, a real, he was like a star in high school. And, like, but he was better at lacrosse. Like, he was the best lacrosse player in college. And, like, he plays some minutes right now for Northwestern. I don't know how he's doing. I don't pay that close attention to Northwestern's basketball team. But if there was ever going to be a two-sport <laughs> athlete, it would be, like, that. He'd play, like, the NBA. I don't know when the lacrosse season. I'm sure it's during the summer. But, like, I could totally see, like, a, a bench NBA player playing, like, lacrosse over there. But I don't I – don't, it's tough with baseball because baseball is, like, a – How about this? Uh, University of Kentucky – so University, I don't even. You guys might not even know this. Uh, University of Kentucky had like a couple big guys get hurt, and apparently, um, I don't know like the ins and outs, but what I was told was that um, Cal Perry sent like a memo to athletics and basically said, "I'm looking for somebody who's already an athlete. I'm assuming because he's already passed like you know all the 
stuff. Like, we don't have to worry about him, you know, we don't have to worry about any, like, academic issues. Um, yeah. And they said we had a couple of big guys get hurt. So we need, like, a tall athlete is pretty much what he was asking for. Long story short, the baseball team had a guy that was, like, an all-state baseball player. Uh, and he's now on Kentucky's basketball team. <laughs> yeah. Another so thing, another he's on the, you know, he's on one of the best basketball teams in the country, and he should have been a first rounder out of high school. Actually, he he was projected to be a first rounder out of high school, um, the same year that Jordan Adele was drafted out of high school. He was projected that year to be a first rounder, but he got Tommy John. Another really funny thing is, like I could say this, the only reason I know this is because I like, go to Purdue. Purdue uh, guy coming in next year who's a receiver on the football team. He chose Purdue over uh, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, and Michigan. He's like four star recruit. He's the best. And also be on the basketball team next year, which is really weird because this season have like huge overlap. Like if Purdue makes a bowl game next year, he's not going to play until like con- until like conference basketball starts in like mid January. Like how do you even manage that? But I yeah. And the professional athlete, it's even a lot harder for that because like <laughs> they're expected to be like among like really really good like. I'm sure this guy's for the bat team. But if you're a multi athlete, you're not going to ride the bench in either of your sports. You're going to be good at them. Okay. And while we're talking about Purdue, let's go ahead and give you your credit. Purdue versus Virginia. Let's let you go on your rant. Oh, that oh, was an awesome environment. I was the craziest sporting event I've ever been to. And I'm glad they won the game. That's all I'm going to say. I'm very happy that they won. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I guess for me, I, uh, seeing that game on TV, um, I went to a Dartmouth basketball game earlier this year. Our stadium holds 27. Go Big Green. Big big facts. Our stadium holds, stadium in quotes, holds 2,700. And it may have not even been 10% full when I went to uh, our first home game. We we haven't had an above 500 basketball season in 20 years. And Daddy, you you have a lot of friends at UVA, right? We're on we're on a baseball podcast. We my junior year, my ju- so like you know for it for those listening, especially those in college, your junior year is like the year you get drafted, right? My junior year, we won ten games. You play a fifty-six game season. You want to talk about not winning? You want to talk about not winning in twenty years? Was it a leadership issue? Was it your fault? Was it a leadership <laughs> issue? I, I will say. We lost like five you? guys. At, we lost like five guys at the break. Um, what did you hit in college? Oh, he, Taylor Davis hit well in college. You want to yeah. see? You want to know my? my uh, I'm a, okay. Well, they, this, I'm gonna look you up. Maybe on we should have like maybe right like every week. Taylor, we have like a, a like yourself section. I'll tell you my numbers from college. Ta- Taylor, Taylor, did you know you've hit exactly the same number of home runs in professional baseball as you have? In college, you hit 36 home runs in college, and you've hit exactly 36 home runs in the pros. Yeah, only in like three times as many years. Um, no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh, but I will tell you this: I had a really, really good junior year. Um, I, I, I had, when he says really good, he means he opened 1246. Yeah, and that was and that was and that was first year BB core. So that wasn't that wasn't old bats. So. That was, you know, when people look at that, that was, I, I, so I was like, if you look at, I can't remember now, I was like, I was top five in the nation in most stuff, um, but just didn't do, I mean, literally, like, you were right, 
We talked about bat hip. I don't know what my podcast. Was. Your bat hip was four twenty one, and uh, I hit four. You got pretty lucky so... that year. No, not very lucky. Yes, that makes me feel great. That makes me feel even better. Now, okay, how about this? Here's here's something for you guys. I bet you I can tell you the number one player in OPS that season. In, in all of the NCAA? Yep, and I bet all you right. he's a Major League Baseball player. Hold on, hold on. I got to pull this up. I think Let's see is. here. I think he's a Major League Baseball player that just got non-tendered. 2010-2011? Yep. Uh yeah, just twenty eleven. Wait, it doesn't. Wait, this is this is um not easy to find. Yeah, there's not <laughs> all like available college stats. There's not. Um, Dang it! All right, uh, well I'll tell you. I'm, I'm wait, no, we'll take your I'm word for it. I'm almost positive it was CJ Crone. Um, oh. and I'm I'm almost positive that it was CJ Crone that he led OPS that year. It was something absurd, and the only reason I know that is because like. As the season got towards the end, like, I mean, like, look, I, I, you saw my OPS. It was pretty good. So, like, I wanted to see how close I was to the top. And, dude, I mean, like, he was running away with it. Like, the year that he had his junior year, I thought I had a good year. And then I would go look at him. And, like, I saw you also had a good year that year. That was the year that Victor Roach uh, hit 30 home runs first year BB Core. Broken. The record was broken by who? I don't know. The record is the record is thirty one. I'll give you the hint. Record is thirty one. By a college. I don't watch that much college. I don't watch that much college baseball. I mean, I don't watch that much college either. But I read some numbers. Come on, the record is thirty one home runs. The it's a it's a current major league all star MVP. Chris Bryant. It is. Oh yes. Yeah, I I pulled up the OPS leaders. Don't you worry. Number one was. CJ Crone, thirteen twenty. That is very impressive. And then there you, you were fourth. Can you name the other two guys ahead of you? Ah, are they are they big leaguers? Oh wait, oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, I can give you the schools if you want. Yeah, give me the school. One, one of them is New Mexico State. Right? Are these are even? Wait, wait. Is this even D one? I don't what even are know. Are NC A and T State. In the MEAC? North Carolina. Yes, A&T. that's North. Yeah, they, they make March Madness in basketball. No, NC A&T State? Is that a re- – I don't think they're a D1 basketball school. I don't know. Who was the player? Xavier Macklin? I don't know. And that then you got some like guy a... from New York Tech. I don't think that's – No. New, uh, well, New Jersey Tech. I don't, I don't know that one. Every I might Valdez? have been second in OPS. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Oh, this I is know, major conference. Good. I don't know. They gave me a bunch of. They stuff. they really don't have good baseball records. <laughs> Although the MEAC is a real conference, I know that. I don't know, but yeah, you could you could say you're second among major. Is is the OVC a major conference though? Uh, baseball? No, no, <laughs> no. So who? Yeah, we're, but we're you wouldn't have survived a day in the SEC, best. Taylor. <laughs> we're a, we're a mid major. I'm not doing this in the SEC. No, but you know who we're... led the SEC in OPS? He is in the huh? majors. Do you yes, know who led no, the SEC? Oh, I it uh, Zunino that year. No, it was not. It was not. It was um, what is he on the Tigers right now? Yeah, Mikey Matuk or however you say. Oh, his Mikey Matuk. Matuk, yeah. yeah, he led the SEC in. Yeah, he good year. Zunino was the next year. This is a lot. This is interesting names considering I don't know any of them. <laughs> oh, there's Tommy Lasella. Postal Carolina, eleven fifty six. 
How many? Wait, how many minimum plate appearances did you set it to? I just set it to 100 at bats. Okay, which like is pretty reasonable for college. Most yeah, of the I, time I, 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 I weighed 100 at bats. You weighed 174 Taylor. Yeah, I I walked a bunch, dude. We were so bad. I so we we uh I got walked with the bases loaded that year. Intentionally. In, in, and yeah, I got walked. Yes, with the bases loaded that year. Like, like walked like on like, purpose or like on accident. Like on purpose. Like we are not going to uh, pitch okay. to you because there is no reason to pitch to you. And yeah, it was it was interesting. All right, but, while we're while we're on the topic of your baseball stats, um, there you've gotten eight major league hits. How many of the pitchers that you've gotten a hit off of can you name? Hoof. <laughs> okay. I've got it pulled up right now. Okay. Yes. Seth Lugo, Lance Lynn. Or no, no, no I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Seth Lugo, yeah. uh, Matt Bowman. Yeah, Lance yep. Lynn. I didn't even touch I literally didn't touch the ball. And what uh, wait, 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 you gotta you gotta say the hit type too against them. Okay, so Seth Lugo <laughs> was an infield single. Matt Bowman was a uh double down the line that was a game winning hit. Um somebody on the Reds. I don't know who the guy on the Reds was. It was an infield single. Sonny Gray. No, 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 no. Sonny Gray was this year. I had another hit against the Reds. Michael Lorenzen. There you go. The, my, no, that was the other. single. That's funny. So, yeah. No, the speaking two-way of, player. No, the yeah, two-way player. Yeah. He's, well, yeah. Slash um, yeah, yeah. Um, which we should get into that. That'll be an interesting topic as well. But, uh, okay, so Lugo, Lorenzen, uh, Bowman, Sonny Gray – I'm gonna save the fun one for last because I know one of them. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Michael Waka. Um, do anything? Do you do anything special against Michael Waka? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like people, dude. The funny thing is, and like I've had plenty of people ask, and like the people that are listening, like I have people that ask me, like, hey, uh, like you know, what were you thinking during the home run? Like, what, like what was going through your mind? And like, I this is not an exaggeration. This is not. I've said it in every quote. The, the last thing I remember is walking up to the plate. The next thing I remember is talking about in the dugout, sitting in the dugout, talking about what to do next thing. I blacked out the entire, the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I was in the car on the way to Buffalo Wild Wings, listening to the game on the radio when that happened. So <laughs> if anyone asked me what I was thinking when Taylor Davis hit a grand slam off Michael Waka, that is what I always say when I'm quoted. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's fun. When, it, 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 when anyone asks yeah. me, I don't remember. I also blacked <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, it was fun yeah that was, that was a good time um, you got what three right. more now three shoot um you i got probably one, dude, you're one for four again that was probably the hangover game right or no 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 because my one hit in that game was bowman oh okay uh bowman and walker are my two hits against the cardinals I have I had a hit against the Diamondbacks. I don't remember who it was against. Is that Matt Coke? Yeah, Matt Cook. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he went to University of Louisville, so he's you know home, that's where I live. He's now, a local, so. dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're doing pretty well in basketball. <laughs> yeah, they are. But you know what? And and shout to them, man. Like to go through what they went through, and for that sports program to be where it is right now, like that football team. The basketball team, like everything included, like the baseball team was always really good, right? Like they were, they've been good for the past few years, but like the 
the football team to be seven and four, seven and five this year, and the basketball team within two years or three years to be the best team in the country. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good for sports. Like Taylor's trying to get away from the fact that he still has not named two of the guys. Do you want me to? Yeah, you I don't tell know. You who, I, who are the other two? Who are the other two? Tell me the other two. Trevor Richards, you're one for two against with a strikeout, oh, and okay. Jimmy Cordero. You you didn't say Cordero, did you? No. You had an RBI who? single against him on the Nationals. Who? On the net. Na- oh. David Bodie scored. Hap advanced to third on the. Throw. Yeah, yeah. I, I faced Max Scherzer that game, I believe. How was that? Or that, that was. That wasn't the game that um, what's his name? The run, the pinch runner dude hit against him too, was he? What's his name? Oh Terrence my god, Thor? Terrence Score. Remember what he hit against Max Scherzer? Yes, that was the same game. And I'm telling you, right wait, now, wait, wait. Strasburg yeah. pitched that game. It looks like. Yeah, Strasburg was, did pitch that game. Was that a different? Oh, well, then I then I pinch hit that game. Sorry, I pinch hit against Cordero. I played against. I pinch hit against Scherzer too, though. Um, because we was were Terrence either... Gore versus Scherzer the biggest mismatch in like recent memory for like a position player versus a pitcher? Nothing against Terrence Gore. He actually hit well. Okay, so but he was can, not a hitter. Okay, okay, so let's use let's use your guys let's use your guys background here. Like, there's got to be a way to find that out, right? Like, kind of like biggest underdog. Like, what is it? What would it be? Highest, uh... like lowest career woba versus lowest career woba allowed. For, it's got to be not up there. Something like, like that. Lowest, or like lowest career whip versus highest or lowest career highest OPS career whip something, yeah. versus lowest career winning uh, runs created. It's some, something yeah, like that. I'm sure it's got to be out there. But you can't even go on that because he really did not have much of a sample in his career to say that he was that bad. Like everyone knew he wasn't a good hitter. But like, what was he, he actually had a was decent he, year this year in the he big leagues. He had a 7.15 OPS for the Royals. I'm glad. I'm really I know. happy for him because I love watching him play. I love when he's like with the batting gloves talking to like the pockets when he runs. Dude, he's, so he's a really he's a really good dude and he uh <laughs> he is extremely fun to watch run. It is I'm sure he is believable. It like to watch in real life, it is I I'm telling you guys, it is I mean it's watching a track star. You're watching a track star. It's it's incredible. I, I pulled it oh. up and I found the time when you did face Max Scherzer. Yeah, it was. He pitched. Exactly. He pitched. He oh, pitched so a complete so game. Three fastballs you did, in a row. You, oh, I know. You didn't black out. My bad. <laughs> no sack fly. To right field. Yeah, sack uh, fly to right field. Productive, productive out right there. Yeah, see QA or Q. Yeah, QAB. Um, <laughs> okay, so we talked about. Let's go back to free agents. We talked about uh, Zach Wheeler. Let's go. Let's go to next. Like. The next biggest was is, is we, we got two. We got Moustakis and Cole Hamels. And I say that because I believe Cole Hamels is a Hall of Famer. Um, obviously, Moustakis is, is – is Moustakis, the, what, the third biggest contract signed this winter? So far, yeah. He was like the biggest okay, and contract they, in Reds history, right? Biggest which is cra- – yeah, I think creating contract, agent. yeah. Because they signed yeah. Joey Votto to a huge yeah, deal, yeah. but that was extension. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the biggest free agent yeah. signing, though. Yeah. Um. And the, yeah, and they signed Homer Bailey to an extension too that was bigger. Um, and even is now actually while we're on it, Suarez has had to be close, right? Wasn't he sixty something? Suarez's contract. Yeah, was did he not sign for sixty seven for sixty six? Yeah, so it was it was above that too. Um, Suarez is good. Suarez is is really good. I mean that that dude that I mean that infield. Yeah. Uh. 
now, okay, so they DFA'd Peraza, who was going to be the everyday shortstop. So who's the everyday shortstop now? Is Iglesias on the team still? I think he just signed a one-year deal. Jose Iglesias? Jose Iglesias? Isn't he a free agent? He's a free agent, yeah. I'm probably making that up. Yeah, he wasn't on the team last year. He's a free agent. now. Oh, he's a free free agent. agent. Yeah. I wouldn't have brought him back if they didn't got anyone else. But Cole, I think the Braves signing Cole, dude, like, and this is just me playing with Cole the past two years. One of, by far, one of the best teammates and best people I've ever played with in my life. They said that, like, he said in a, in a, in a quote that he was rushed back from an injury and that's why his numbers weren't as good as in years past. Is that, do you, do you believe that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I don't, you know, I, that's, I, that's between him and the team. I have no yeah, idea, but sure. I do know that for, what is he? He's getting ready to be 36, right? Um, yeah, I think that's he's, right. He's yeah. He'll be 36 in a couple of weeks. If I look like he does when I'm 36, good huh. Lord, I hit the lottery. I mean, and, 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 and that guy takes care of his body. Like, he that like I said off the field, he is worth every penny. I think he's one of the best guys in the clubhouse you can possibly have. And on the field, like he's shown, I, I think he's one of the guys that has shown. Like, um, I think it's cool. Like you're starting to see um, some of like our generation's um, pitchers are showing that they can continue doing this into their mid 30s. And I think right. he's like he's part of that. Like him and him and Justin Verlander are leading that class. Like. Those two guys in their like mid to late thirties are pitching some of the some of the best innings they've ever thrown. I'm actually curious that you that you bring that up. I'm gonna look at the leaders in pitching war of guys over thirty four plus from last year. Charlie Morton, I think, would be another one. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Morton. Yeah, so you, so amongst pitchers so pitchers who are thirty four and older, I looked at starting pitchers, top war leaders last year, Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander, Charlie Martin, Zach Greinke, they were all over five war. Then it drops down to John Lester, who was a little bit shy of three, and then Cole Hamels at two and a half. Annie Ball Sanchez at two and a half, and Adam Wainwright at 2.2. But all well, those guys, like, you're, you're looking at, a, like, a resurgence of the mid-30s guys that, like, these guys are all throwing legitimate big-time innings in big-time games for big-time teams. Like, they're not throwing garbage games. Like, they're throwing big-time innings. Devin, while we're on the topic, you, you bring up Charlie Morton. You did pass on him in the War League in the second round. Would you like to explain your pick? Sure. Um, and, and so, yeah. Jer- first-rounder, too. Talk about your first-rounder. Yeah, I want to hear both sure. of you guys. Let me hear, let's hear both your guys' first two picks. So, you know, Jer- for those of you who don't know, I, Jeremy's probably better to explain this, but he put kind of put me on the spot, so I'm going to get to explain you go it. For it. Um, so, Jeremy runs a war league. Um, basically, it's a fantasy baseball league where you ha- pick four players. There's 50 people per league. And, Jeremy, how many leagues are you running this year? 12? 24. 24. 24 50-person wow. p- leagues. So, so for those of you who don't want to do the math, it's 1,200 people who are who are involved in this. Um, and um, so it's really fun because you have to, like, if you get pick number 42, like me, you kind of have to be a little bit creative on, on who you pick 
in order yeah. to try and win this thing because you Hold need on, a guy who's going to put time out, time out. Sure, sure. Pick 42, that's got to be like, that's got to be good luck. True. Oh, Devin, yeah, representing. Right. But anyways, there are, so each team gets four <laughs> players. Anyway, each team gets four players. I think I, I was think the 42nd pick. Is that right? Um, I hope so, for your sake. I think, yeah, because you have the ninth pick in the second round, so that is the 42nd, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, each team gets four players. There's no trading, no, like, free agency or anything. The four players you draft are the four players you have on your team at the end of the year. And the team out of all of the 24 divisions with the most war at the end of the year is the winner. So, yeah, Devin, who did you take in the first and second round? So, in the first round, I actually really, really liked my 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 selection. Um, I got what you Car- want. That is usually what you want. But I think I picked a guy with the upside of with, who has, like, extremely high upside to be a top 10 war player. And that, that 42 slot at the late end of the first round, you are looking for upside, a guy who could break into the top 10. I was lucky enough to get Carlos Correa. I think that's a, probably one of the best picks in the draft. One of the things with um, the war league is that when you're in the draft room, it shows all of the players based on like their fantasy points from last year. So it's not even war, but Carlos Correa fell like under a lot of people's radars because he was hurt for last year. So he doesn't come yeah, up to the top hurt. of the list. So you have to know that he's there yeah. to like think to take him. And Devin didn't know that he was there. So Carlos Correa went top 10 in a couple other leagues. So a 40-second pick is very, very good for a short depth. That yeah, can are you guys using F4 war. or? Yes. We're using F4. F4. Yes. Yeah, we're using Fangraph's war. Okay, sorry. Um, okay. And then in with the ninth pick of the second round, so that's I'm not as happy about this pick. I actually felt like um, my options weren't as good. Um, so pick 59 overall, I got Trevor Bauer. And some other guys that were on the board, Patrick Corbin, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, James Paxton, Lance Lynn, Anthony Rizzo, Yuki Darvish, just to name a few. Not saying it's a bad it, pick, but those are some other guys that were there. And, and maybe this is just me, but I really like what they're doing in Cincinnati. I think Trevor Bauer, with the innings that he had this year and the dominance that he had in 2018, he could be like a seven or eight war pitcher. Granted, I'm bu- I'm buying in on the upside there. I think he has the upside of a top top few starter. We'll see if it actually works out. But I, I have faith in Cincinnati, and like Kyle Body is like working there now. So like I feel like that can only be a positive considering the relationship that they have. But you know and, we'll see. And Derek Johnson just won Coach of the Year. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I think we'll see. I I like it, and I. You know, we, you Taylor, you just talked about these mid-30 starters, and I was just looking at Trevor Bauer, and I was looking at Charlie Morton, and I was like, well, if I was to bet on who's more likely to have a six-war season next year, it's not like Charlie Morton's old by any means, but I'll take the guy who will be 29 over the guy that will be 37. Now, this is just me from the outside looking in, and this is me just guessing on on numbers he'll be he's, he'll still be 36 next year but the point stands no 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 no, no. i'm not talking about morton how close is him and bauer and corbin uh how close are their projections for next year uh, they're within a couple tenths of a, of a win the, the only reason i say that is uh corbin has a higher strikeout rate correct uh yeah. last year well i actually oh, had corbin on my team yeah. last year um yeah they're actually roughly the same Corbin was 28-5. Okay. Corbin was 28-5, and Bauer was 27-8. So okay. within a That's surprising. point. I got you. That's, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And, um, so that is a good – That's a good. if he pitches well, he's going to get you a lot of work because he pitches like, yeah, I mean, 30 if, if, if he pitches well, 
Yeah, if he pitches well, like he's he's going to be very solid. And yeah, you know, no. again, and again, like I'm looking, I'm looking for the upside, and like I think that um, of those three, who has the highest chance to put up a seven WAR pitching season next year? I think it's Trevor Bauer. Did he's, you have to take a pitcher? Him. No, you no. didn't have to. The like, best available hitter though so, was like Anthony Rizzo. You so didn't do you have think, Vladimir Guerrero so, Jr. Guess, there. And no. do you think, uh, do you think that Trevor Bauer is a top 60 player in Major League Baseball? I don't know. But is he a top 60 player in war? Uh, I can tell you. Uh, I don't think last year. I mean, I probably actually, you know what? He probably was last year. Because some of these people take just – some people I'm very – let's just put it this way. I'm confused by who they pick. Actually, last year he was not. So maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. He was 98. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I just I, he was ninety eight. That's, that's how it works, right? Like right, yeah. In theory, you're just okay. But but but, so, okay, but so I Jeremy. guess my my defense to that my defense to that is I don't care what they put up last year. Yes, to an extent, right. like I need to know how good they are. But I'm caring about what they put up this next year. Absolutely, and you're it's going to be a better Cincinnati team, no doubt. And and I and when I think to myself is. Trevor Bauer going to be a top 60 war player in 2020? I think the answer is yes. Well, you're hoping so. You're hoping he's about I think, the ninth best player or better. Well, I think, I think, well, no, no, no. See, here's how I look. Here's how I think of the war league. If you're, if you're hoping that every player you take is going to be like that ranked player in baseball, you're not going to lose. If Devin's like 42nd pick is the 42nd best player and is 60 was whatever sixth or 50th whatever 59th six i can't even do math but right right um, right no i, I know what you're, it, you're not gonna win because the dude that won last year had if i remember correctly he had, I, this is not in the right order he had ronald well, ronald acuna jr glaber torres patrick corbin and Keitel Marte. that is how you win the league you need four guys that are all all-stars like all top of the league yeah. mvp Cy Young candidates and like you're not gonna win if one of your guys has a solid year you need all your guys to be especially with this many leagues this year, the team that wins is going to have four guys that are studs. So that's how. That's okay, how so let's let's, let's let's hear your two picks. Well, I have not gotten my second pick since I had the number eight overall pick, and we're only on the tenth pick of the second round, so I have to wait probably like another couple weeks because it's like a slower draft. But my first overall pick would might have been a reach. I took Aaron Judge, and I think I like I said I, I draft based on like MVP potential. And, like, obviously, Trout's in the league, so, like, MVP is, like, not to be taken literally, but he could very well be a top three, four player in baseball next year. He's He's got the on-base, so he gets on-base 40% of the time. If he can if he can hit – if he's healthy, he's probably going to hit 40 home runs. That's what you're making. He's in a good ballpark. And, yeah, he's in a good, he's in a good ballpark. He's it's a, a war just for that, I will say. Baseball. That is true. And sneaky good defender, right? He, not even – I mean, yes. he's sneaky good at this point. He is very – he's – Almost as good I say as sneak, Betts, I if say not sneaky, better. I say sneaky from the from the average baseball fans. That is true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he would have won the Gold Glove you... this year if he had enough innings. I would say right. that he would have won it, and that's when people would have put him on the radar. Unfortunately, he did not qualify in terms of innings, so he didn't win it, and Mookie won it again, which was well deserved on his end. But if he plays a full season, you're talking MVP conversation, and that's kind of lost on him because he was hurt for parts of the last two seasons, and some people just kind of forgot about him. And I probably could have gotten him at like 15 or 20th, but I did have the eighth pick and I had to pick someone. So, yeah, I could have gotten so him. So, who were your top three available control. when you took him? Oh, there are a lot of guys available. I think it was between him, 
Alex Bregman and Anthony Rendon. I was between those three guys. And all three of them would have been great picks. I do think that Judge has the highest outside of, out of all three of them, though. Okay. Uh, okay, so you did say something that I, I think will be a good conversation for us. Um, while we were talking about that, uh, you brought up All-Star. And with the, the recent All-MLB team, oh, I, man. Think that, I think that it, it brings up an interesting conversation um, you know, how important, uh, like that could be, should be, um, you know, cause like, I've always been interested with the fact that like every, every sport or uh, let's, uh, when I say every sport, I mean, we're talking about the top three American sports, right? Basketball, football, baseball, <laughs> uh, basketball, football, baseball. So, and, and hockey's in there too, but like me, the hockey about- fan cringes. <laughs> <laughs> Not four, we'll say four, but the you know the, the yeah. three main Amer the three major American sports are basketball, football, and baseball, yes. and hockey is definitely a fourth. But anyway, that's that's not the argument we need to have, uh, right? <laughs> but with with basketball and baseball, you know, you have the All Star game in the middle of the year, and with football, you have the um, you know the All NFL team, the All Pro team. Do you guys think that baseball should? should get rid of the all-star game and go to some sort of an all pro like go to that all MLB team at the end of the year would it still be a game being played I think that every every league has a an all-star game being played and I think that that's hard to get rid of even though I don't even think that many people care about it compared to the I mean I guess no one really cares about Jeremy we watched the entire all-star game from your basement and we, we cared did. about it. But that was the first <laughs> and we watched- year I watched it. That was the first year I watched it in a few years. And I can't say that I've watched the Pro Bowl recently. Or like I've never watched the, the, I the, the, the Pro NBA Bowl. All-Star game. The NBA All-Star game I actually don't mind. It's a joke. Baseball no, I think it's a joke. Like, baseball All-Star game is fine, but like whatever. I think that the, what's more important is like the 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 label of like being an All-Star. I think that's what Taylor was kind of alluding to. And the Hall yeah, of Fame voters like look at that a lot. But the yeah. problem with that is you're rewarding guys who were good in the first half of the year. He could, you could have a guy that was like, like Didi. Like, remember Didi Gregorius a couple years ago was like so good to start the year, and like he finished with like a decent year, but like he was an all star for the first half, and like you'll see that I think he was an all star, and you'll see that like on no, it, fame like when he's a hall when he's up there for hall he won't be up there, but like guys like those who had monster first half and can't right. keep up for the pace in the second half, you're not gonna see that because they made the all star game, and like everyone thinks like. Oh, they made the All Star game. Like that means they were like one of the best players in baseball that year. Like it was meant they were one of the best players through July. And the well, fans thought they the, were there are guys who go on to win the MVP who didn't even weren't even All Stars. Yeah, right, and that's, that's my true. point. Is like I, I I agree. Like I I'm agreeing with both of you. Like I think that I, I don't the know. Teams I don't know. Chosen by writers. I think it's interesting. And players. I think the team should be chosen by writers and players, not fans, because I would bet a decent amount of money that Marcus Semien is not even going to be the shortstop for the American League, and he was third in MVP this year because no one knows uh, who Marcus Simeon is besides he, Ace fans. You don't he think should he'll be, be the, I don't think you he don't will. Think he'll, you don't think he'll be the all-MLB shortstop? I, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty surprised, honestly. And he could do it, you know, but, like, I don't know. The 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 one that the, – the, the, the thing that, like, reminds me the most about what you just said was um, – what was it? Two, I want to say 2016 or 2017 when – uh, the American League, like the whole starting lineup, was the, uh, the Royals. The Royals. Nothing against the Royals, and nothing. It comes in the year after, right? But nothing, and nothing against either of those two teams. But like the entire starting lineup, like obviously that had to be some fans, right? Like that couldn't have been right. 
I'm like, pretty sure the shortstop is going to be Xander Bogarts, though. Like, I'd be, I'd be pretty confident that because he has the, the name recognition and the contract. Or even Lindor could do it. Honestly, if we're if we're being honest, Glaber Torres does he count as a shortstop? I don't think so. No, all he does not guys, count as a shortstop. If he was a shortstop, would you really seriously bet that Semyon would get more votes than him in this no. all MLB format where the fans are voting? I mean, Semyon the guy that makes the All Star because the because he was chosen as like after the fans voted because he's not a popular player. He's not an unpopular player. Just people don't know who he is. Uh, so this year, I think that Marcus Simeon has actually gotten a decent bit of pub. And on top of that, I also think that I think that the Oakland like demographic is is more popular than people think. Like, you think so? I think there are a lot of A's fans. I do. I don't think that the A's. There are a lot of A's fans on Twitter. That is true. Just like in general, like I don't think that the A's, like are as unpopular as it's sold, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think they're a popular brand. I really do. Whether that be because of Moneyball or not, I think they're I think they're somewhat popular. But anyway. Yeah, I I don't I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, all I was gonna say okay. is when it comes com- when it comes down to all star voting, Jeremy, you and I have talked about this before. When baseball puts on the stats, like on the ballot, it should be the last calendar year. It should be the second half yes, of the previous season, the second half of the previous season, and the first half of this season. That's what so I you just kind of have, so it's kind of rolling, yeah, and then yeah, your all star teams, your all star teams would be more representative. And yeah, it's so not putting like half and rookies. half together, but at least it's still like a full season's worth. The only issue is with I, rookies. I, 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 I do not I, I do not agree with that because and I'll tell you why for two as a player for two reasons but one from let's just take like if if you're going from either a winning team to a losing team or vice versa the that your your chances of, of like what's gonna happen are way different because you know like a winning team and a losing team the vibe in September which is the second half which is what you're talking about is way different right like uh, you know, That's you've fair. got. So I don't think I think that the All MLB team is actually really important. Um, I think that that's a really cool thing, and I think that it needs to be. My, like, I think we're all on the same page here. Like, you need a full yeah. year. Like, there needs. You do to, need you a full year. Be, do you think it should be a fan vote, or do you think do you uh, think players I, so, can make the so right calls like, most of the time? Maybe like keep the All Star. Like maybe keep the All Star game. And maybe keep that as an as a fan vote, but let's just continue to increase the importance of the All MLB team. Like, let's and would you make that vote. like a writer vote? Make it a writer's vote. Make it a player maybe, vote, like, fan vote, combined. Player, maybe a little bit of everything. Because how much how much baseball do players watch? I don't know the answer to this, and you probably know better than me. Like the average, MLB I think it player, depends. How many I think games it depends do they on the guy outside? Of like a lot, a lot of a lot of players watch baseball. Um, do they know? But, do they have a good idea of what's going on outside of their team and outside of their division? Like, do they know what's going on in the AL West for like a Cubs dugout? Yes. Like, who's uh, doing? I well? mean, like, like we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a clue. Like, you have you have is Mike Trout accepted in all the clubhouses as the best player in baseball? I I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think that, um, it's pretty clear at this point that he's, he's performing better than just about 
anybody in the close to in the history of the game. And every single year, too. Here's my question, you guys. And this is a question that I've had, okay? And this is – I'm so glad we got to this point because I've been wanting to ask this. So, Mike Trout's war, okay, is like – I mean, it is ridiculously higher than the second closest to him, who I believe is Josh Donaldson or Andrew McCutcheon. One of the – Of active players? Or in the 2010s? Prior to this year – Prior to this year, it was Andrew McCutcheon or Josh Donaldson. I don't know who it is now. For 2010s or um, active? Active players. Okay, who else well, is ahead of them? Who else is ahead of them? Yeah. Really? Oh, okay, yeah. significantly so, okay, further so go, ahead of them. Go from He's when like he started. I'm sorry. Go, go from when he started. I apologize. Oh, go from since when, when, 2011. Since Strauss so. made his debut. 2011? He, he, he came up in 2011. Since 2011... Buster Posey. And then Buster Posey. And then McCutcheon okay. Donaldson. Sorry. So I, I was close. But so you were close. <laughs> it, and and of that, so like and, and don't get me wrong, Trout's numbers are ridiculous, but like the guys that are second, third, and fourth to him are pretty close. So why is he so far ahead in war from everybody else? Is so, he wait, much better? He's a much better he's, he's a much better hitter. Much better hitter by a lot. I mean, you're and, talking and about 120 just... OPSs right there, over 5,000 plate appearances. Okay. You're talking the difference between like an. You're talking the difference between like Marcus Semyon and an average player is the same as Trout and Andrew McCutcheon or Buster Posey. Even Josh Allen, he's he's 100 points higher than. And not to mention he's a, he's an excellent base runner. He plays center field, which is a valuable position. He does everything well. He's been a good fielder for some seasons. And, and it, okay, so. And and let me let me use my baseball not my slight baseball knowledge here. He's gotten better defensively too, correct? Like that was if you wanted to say something was bad about Mike Trout, which was very hard to do last year. You he could was, yeah. And, and you could, you could have, you, prior to last year you could have leaned on his defense. Now you can't. Now there's well, literally actually, Taylor, nothing I you can say. Was, I apologize actually because you're probably right that McCutcheon and Donaldson were top two the last time you looked, but, but Fangraphs were updated. To include framing, so Buster Posey is now number two. I'm sure he probably wasn't number two when you looked, so you were probably actually right. Okay, okay. But now he, the framing stats they put into war moved Posey ahead of those two guys. Right, right. Which I'm sure you're happy about as a catcher. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and like I said, we at some point we'll get into that. Um, yeah, that's definitely we'll a whole that's definitely something. Yeah, it's definitely that's definitely something we need to get into. Um, okay, so okay, does okay? This is the big. This is this is probably. The last question we'll get to too. Wait, 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 so, wait! On Trout, on Trout. I just, I just since Trout came in. Uh, no, 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 no. This is I actually just figured. I just discovered this, oh, and like this God. is wild. Since Trout came into the major leagues, the only player to produce more value since the beginning of 2011. So not since the exact day, but since the opening day 2011, the only player to pr- produce more value. On the base, on base running is Billy Hamilton, and only by a run and a ten. So he's produced the more he's produced more value offensively and defensively. Uh, no, this is base running. This is just oh. base running. Hold on, he's the he's, he's the second best base runner what? too since since wow. the beginning of 2011. He's the second best base runner in all of baseball. Okay, okay. to only Billy Hamilton. Yeah. And That's wild. Under him are, and the guys under him are the guys you think of as guys who, like Brad Gardner, Gerard Dyson, D. Gordon, 
Rajai Davis. Right. Those Raj- are the dudes that you think time of as base runner. And, those, and Trout's better than all of them. With as good of a hitter as we've seen in since Barry Bonds or Albert Pujols. <laughs> like, that's who, that's how good Trout Albert is. Pools, you're saying Albert Pujols. If Albert Pujols was a center fielder with a good glove and as good of a base runner as that's who Mike Trout is. That's why Trout's right. war is so high. It's crazy. Right. Okay, so I, and I, okay. I guess I had never seen that until just now. <laughs> okay, so so does Mike Trout hit the the valuable number, which is what, 12.8, 12.4, one of the two. It's the the the, baby. the, the bat. Yeah, um, no, he will not hit that. I don't think he'll ever hit that. I, I, I remember, uh, like, was I this on baseball like, reference? Because I I'm just saying this because on on Fangraphs had Stremski is number two on. Is he, is Sorry, you just cut out for a second. Season? I think he like twelve points for, for single season. Yastrzemski was number two. Twelve for single season. Number one, right? Single season. Uh, on Fangraphs, it's Babe Ruth had a 15 war season in 1923. Baseball oh, reference? No, baseball reference is more in tune to what you are saying. I'm pretty sure you're right with that war number that you said. Okay, so either, I, either way. So I actually, I actually wrote an article about this. Wait, I wrote, I wrote an article about this actually. Oh, okay. I know. I read it. The article it was talking about well, he, it was talking about what Trout had to do to reach that number this year, and right. then he ended up getting hurt. But, it also applies to ever. I think it's it's right? pretty applicable. <laughs> Could he ever do that? Like I guess the number one season, the number one season is fourteen, and then the next best is twelve point nine by Babe Ruth. Both of them. But let's just say twelve and a half WAR. Will Mike Trout ever get twelve and a half WAR, which no. is the best WAR by a non-Babe Ruth player, by a position player? Because Does he get double digits? Like twenty WAR in a season. He's hit double digits before Trout has. I think he's best at like what ten point five. Ten point two in twenty thirteen. Hold on, 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 on F war or on baseball reference? Order. That 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 I only I only use F war, but that's on fan graphs. So I, I guess like like, that, I like baseball reference war for historical players better. But I I just, I just use fan graphs. I just think of when I say war, I think of the lower war. So like if like I would ten war would be insane to me. So I don't know how F war. Okay, so if he's if he's already at ten point five, does he get to twelve? Ever just twelve? Like in a season? No. In a season. No. I I would I would be surprised. He would need to what would need to happen is MLB would need to unjuice the ball. Because Mike Trout is a good hitter whether or not the ball is unjuiced. He's the best hitter. Right, right. And I right. think the margin is bigger when the ball is unjuiced. So Baseball I think the ball needs to be back to, to what it was back in the to, day. To put up better war. Back in back in the day, what was like twenty fourteen when the ball was just like completely dead? Like when it was the year of the pitcher, that's what it needs to be for Mike Trout to have a twelve war season, because that's that's when he hits like he does every year. But everyone else is so much worse, and that helps his like the replacement above replacement part, because he's still the most career player, yeah. whether the balls are juiced or not. He's still going to walk one hundred and twenty five times in a full season. The problem is he is probably with this big contract. I don't think he's going to steal more than. 15, 20 bases in a year. I think I think the time for him to do it was probably last year. Probably last year. But, um, but what I'll say on that is I think your point about the, the juice balls being a good one. Because, like, the season that Trout had a career high in war was 2013, and he only hit 27 home runs that year, and his isolated power was 234. 
Mike Trout with Juice Baseballs hits 45 home runs in 600 plate appearances and has a 353 isolated power. It's like it's insane. Less valuable. <clears throat> it is less valuable. Less valuable. I mean, his um, I think, and I think he stays closer to. Jeremy, you cut out a little bit. It was the same exact environment. I'm sure. Oh. I'm saying that if the environment has changed back to the year 2013, I think he's probably closer to 40 than he is to 27, which is why that's probably the, the situation would need to happen for him to do it. Right, where where the ball, yeah, because I still think he would be a 40 home run player. Right. Because um, this year, I mean, if you say he gets 700 play appearances, because he was already at 600, I mean, he would have hit like 55 home runs. Yeah, that's crazy. He's, so, he is it, thinking it, the best all around hitter still hits 55 home runs. Like that's not, we, we kind of talked about this last, last podcast with the whole like quote unquote gamers, like Mike Trout, you don't, he's not your typical power hitter, but he, he, over 700 plate appearances last year, he was on pace for 53 homers. Wow. Right. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing. Like, dude, it's the same thing as like Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich right. leaves, leaves a, leaves a non hitters ballpark, which I, I, that's interests me as well. Like the guy leaves, Leaves Miami, right? And don't get me wrong. He obviously they he are moving the walls trading. in this year. <laughs> yeah, they are moving the walls in, and they traded the system for him, right? Like they traded everything they had for him, which rightfully so. The dude is he won an MVP, was second in MVP this year. Like he's extremely talented. Um, he's on the Hall of Fame path he, now for sure. But he goes from hitting what i had to get if i had to guess i have i'm not once again you guys know better than i would i I haven't looked but if i had to guess it was like 290 with in the teens of homers to hitting 320 with 40 that's almost exactly correct he was he was at 282 18 home runs in 2017 to 326 with 36 home runs in 2018 and he had already homered 44 times in 580 plate appearances when he went down with injury this year right so like you know, I, I do think that um, that you know, even just leaving the ballpark, and we talk about you know, I do think that that's like a big, and and somebody. So okay, this is a great, um, this is a great point for me personally to end on. You two to give your 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 opinions on. But I, I asked somebody one time. I was like, hey, like, how does that happen? Like, you know, like I said, he was a really good player, obviously. But he went from hitting 280 with 18 to 330 with 36. And as I was saying it, I understood that, you know, on top of just the 30, the third, the, the 18 extra homers, those are 18 extra hits. Like right. those 18 extra hits would bring it at least to 300 <laughs> as they were. Well, that's like, if you're changing outs to hits instead of changing doubles to, or outs to homers instead of changing doubles to homers. It's not like, like if that were true, then you'd be saying like, oh, like in addition to what he did, he's also changing. Like I guess right, you could say the flyouts, and then they're going over the fence. Exactly. Now. That's what that's what I'm saying is that he and was his hitting home run fly outs. Right, his home right. run for fly ball rate went 15 percent to 35 percent, and that is if that, all, that's all what I mean. Were warning track flyouts, and he got 10 feet more worth of power or whatever. Then that's that's the batting average spike too. You're right. right. You know, but I, I, mean. I I think also like. I mean, I think it's a combination of a, a few things. One, better better ballpark for him. Two, I think, you know, with that better ballpark, the home run per fly ball rate. But three, I do think he actually improved. Like, it's not the same Christian Yelich. He improved. 
So when you combine all of that, it just, it, it's an explosion. I mean, we, we, you know, you a lot of people are making jokes about the X, X Woba bacon stat, you know, the X Woba on contact, <laughs> but um, it's, it's a good measure of how well a hitter is when you exclude the strikeouts and walks, how hard they're just hitting the ball. And his jump from 413, which is already 40 points above MLB average, which is 371, to 500 in 2018 and 501 in 2019. So he was just hitting the ball better at a more at a better launch no. angle and exit it, velocity. Yeah. It was all of and that. I, and then you put him in that ballpark, and he becomes the best player, the second best player in baseball. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not taking anything away from him in the least bit. That guy is – what he's done in the past two years is incredible. Um, but I do think that when talking about him, like, that does need to be taken into account. Like, right. don't get me wrong. It's incredible what he's doing. But oh, totally agree. Are, when people are looking at it from the outside and they're saying, how is this like, – like I said, like, you know, I, I was – I'm an avid baseball fan, and even me looking at it – the last year this year not so much obviously right like he did it last year so nobody really looked at this year and went man this is a crazy thing but last year right. people looked at it and they went he hit 290 with 18 a year before now he's hitting now he's mvp and right. i think that the way you know one way to explain that on top of exactly what you're saying uh it, it, that's exactly perfect is that you're explaining that that's why you guys looking into this deeper is perfect but like me it's like man if you take the outside stats out of it, which we can't always do, you can say, well, he had 18 flyouts the year before that weren't hits. So let's take right. those 18 flyouts. Let's make them homers. Now he's hitting 300. Now let's take your stats. Let's delve deeper into it and go, okay, let's find the bacon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and let's find out. Let's find out how he got the extra 30 points in, in average. Right. And yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you weren't ever taking anything away from it. I'm just saying it was a, a combination of all of those kind of factors making that perfect storm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say um, his hitting coach this year, Andy Haynes. Awesome, dude. He was our hitting coordinator for a little bit and he had him with the Marlins, too. So it was a little bit of a reunion for him. So I know he's more at home now than he ever was. Yeah, so I hope he comes back and has a great 2020. Any any last thoughts from either of you guys before we wrap this up? Um, I think we're going to try and keep it to about 70 minutes, and we kind of hit that point. Yeah. yeah, I think we need a I think we I think we need a we need a poll for today. We didn't even post a poll last time, so we didn't. Yeah, we didn't even post the poll. I we'll post the poll. It, we'll post the poll from last episode, and I then we'll talk about that to start me. the next one. Yeah, I everyone would have voted, voted for you. For me. me? Did you guys say me? I no, no, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, no, it's uh, yeah, we're all good, man. No, I, uh, all right. I think, uh, every everybody just look for episode three. Yeah, let's. I think you guys get listening as always. Yeah, uh, yeah, great. Great podcast. I've been enjoying it a lot so far, and I hope all of you have as well. As you could so now, finals, college students. Yes. And I was going to say, you know, every podcast wraps up in the same way. Subscribe, give us a rating, yada, yada, yada. And like when I finished the first episode, I was like, I don't even know how all this works. But now I can officially close out the podcast as all podcasts do. 
Follow us on Spotify. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We just got put on there. You can find our podcast on Anchor. That's where we post it first. And uh, be sure to listen to the next episode. And thanks for listening to this one. And we'll see you at some point in the near future. All right. Thanks, guys.